Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Here we see a, va- a video of fantasy. But how many know deep inside everyone wants to be a superhero? And as you're looking at this, could you imagine being at Dodger Stadium and a plane coming straight down? How many would be cheering also if Superman came on the scene all of a sudden and saved the day? And so we all have this inside of us. And one thing that you see about superheroes, when you look at Spider-Man and Superman and and, uh, Avengers, except for Tony Stark, of course, but they all have to hide their identity because they have to, 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 to sacrifice or make the ultimate sacrifice. It's either this life or the life of a superhero. And they all choose the life of a superhero. They like the cheers. They like the, the, all that comes with it. But there's a big sacrifice, a big price that they have to pay in order to keep their identity a secret. So here, once again, hey, if you could lower the, the monitors, please. I don't need, I, I know I'm loud anyway, so. <laughs> but one thing we see about superheroes is they're always saving lives. They give up their, their life to save lives. They sacrifice, they make certain sacrifices in life to be able to do the ultimate, and that's to save other lives. That is fantasy here. But I do want to look tonight at real heroes. I do want to look tonight at men and women that have sacrificed their entire lives to be able to preach the gospel. Can I tell you something? That the gospel is not cheap. Jesus paid it all on Calvary's cross. But how many know generation after generation after generation, there has been men and women that have sacrificed to keep that calling alive to the next generation. Are you all with me? See, if we look at heroes tonight, you have to include Billy Graham. As a matter of fact, there's many businessmen, many CEOs that want to live moral or upright lives that follow the Billy Graham code of conduct at hotels. They, they have somebody go into the room first before they go in. They, they always have somebody with them, and they never meet with a woman by themselves. It's a code of conduct that, that they've established. But let's bring it down a little bit closer. How about, let's look at the first picture. How about the hero... Guys, I need you guys to be sharp tonight. Come on now. How about the first hero of our fellowship? That sacrifice. Here's a, a couple from, I believe, Oklahoma, correct? Oklahoma. They talk like this up in Oklahoma. They never learn proper English. But they come, go to the next one, to preach the gospel in the hood. Here is 
a white couple from Oklahoma surrounded by a bunch of Hispanics, former gang members, talking like a hick in front of Hispanics. That was the bridge for our fellowship. Because from that stems out the next hero that we know. How many know, church, that this church is the bridge to the next generation? Yes, it started with the Nevilles and, and Pastor Omar and, and Sister Letty caught the vision and they stepped out in faith, believing God sacrificed in order to present the gospel, preach the gospel, uh, launch out churches. Uh, and because they made the sacrifice, uh, we come up uh, to many more heroes uh, that, he have, that, that they have uh, uh, birthed out of this fellowship. 29 churches altogether so far. But how many know this is the bridge church? How many know you and I, this church right here, is the example to the up-and-coming pastors that get launched out of this fellowship? Yeah, you can take down the pictures. See, we have people that are heroes. How many know these are not superstars, movie stars? Okay, here's, here's a hero. How many know that word is used very loosely? How many know Madonna is not a hero? Okay, uh, uh, all, all these other people that, uh, uh, what's the, the basketball players? How many know they're not heroes? Don't use that word with a basketball player, NFL player. They're not heroes. Okay, a hero is a man of distinguished valor. Doesn't take much to shoot a basketball. I'm sorry. Interpreti, it means resolute, courageous, brave, a spirit that enables you to face danger or pain without showing fear. You know, my little hero, we all have somebody, but that word describes this person that I, I, I admire because I've seen him go through so much and still stay strong. I'm blown away when I look at her. I'm like, how are you able to still, all the stuff that you've gone to, but I want you, when I see in, intrepidity, I look at my wife. Who has stood resolute, courageous. I said, I got me an Irish Scandinavian. How many know what Scandinavians are? They're the Vikings. I love what Pastor Tyrone said. I don't want a queen or a princess. I want a woman. Because how many know queens and princesses? So if you're on, on Facebook with a queen and princess, how many know they're finicky? How many know you don't take them out to war? I take my woman out to war, baby. She's been out to war with me many times. She has an Okinawa, Japan. I want to survive out there. You better be a warrior. But here's a whole slew of men and women that are making an impact, not just here and now, but they're making an impact for all eternity. See, we go by the slogan, win, build, and send. 
It's been a driving force of this fellowship. And when I look out this evening, when I begin to look at the, the opportunities and the potential of the people of God, and I begin to think, what is Jesus thinking right now as he's looking at Praise Chapel Paramount? He's looking, he's calling. He's desiring to do great things in your lives. He said, I'm waiting. He goes, my eyes are going to and fro right now, looking, looking for someone that's hungry, looking for someone that will answer the call. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you uh, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, hallelujah. How many know he's not going to give up on you? I want to say you might be struggling and, and, and just worldly things tonight, but I want, I want, I want to give you hope. But I, and I want to show you something very interesting. It's just, just powerful. But can I tell you something? He has a plan for you tonight. Amen. Good plan, a future and a destiny. And I begin to think about this. I'm putting this together. Can anybody have this? Can anybody have it? I thought about that. And then I said, you know what? That's one of those yes or no questions. See, what I mean by that is that it's available if you're willing to make the sacrifice. See, Paul says in 1 Timothy... 522 says, do not lay hands on anybody hastily nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. So there Paul is talking about ordaining ministers, ordaining the men of God. But how many know purity and holiness do not begin when you get ordained? It begins when you fall in love with Jesus. Amen. I got a couple of amens. See, when we make the decision that I, I love Jesus more than I love anything else in the world, God says, now I can use you. See, sacrifice starts uh, when, when I fall in love. It, it starts when I begin to keep my body in subjection, as Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. It's not up there, but he says, I keep my body in subjection. He says, trust me, my flesh wants to go do bad. He says, it takes a lot to keep this body in subjection. How many know what I'm talking about tonight? How many know we live in a generation where there is temptation all around you? All around you. I was driving home the other day. Ay, por mi culpa. I exit. Crenshaw Boulevard off the 405 North, going home. I make a turn on the stoplight, and I come up to the next stoplight, and I see an M. The Golden Arches. I said, don't do it. You're going to hate yourself later. Don't do it. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I'm driving. All of a sudden, my left arm is having a tug of war with my right arm. 
my right arm is going no, and my left arm, yes. And I'm, I'm going like, what the heck is up with that guy? <laughs> and it turned on me. <laughs> Ordered a Big Mac fries in the drink. How many ever had those cravings deep inside? How many know what I'm talking about? It's just craving those McDonald's French fries. And then I get there's a 9.58. I'm like, 9.58 for a Big Mac? All of a sudden, the craving went out the way. I was like, what the heck? Because they look like a little hamburger now. After I ate, I thought it was a tease. But after I ate, I'm just walking around like, all of a sudden, oh. It's the big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming to join you, honey. <laughs> I'll get back to that in just a moment. How many know God's looking for a holy life tonight? First Peter, Peter 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, written, be holy, for I am holy. How many know God wants you and I to be holy? Amen. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. That's going to be my main text tonight. And, but I, I want you to understand this. Here Paul is speaking to a mature church. He's not speaking to new converts. As, as you begin to read the, the, the book of Ephesians, how many know it's the most spiritual book in the Bible? How many know there's a lot of spirituality there in, in the book of Ephesians? How many know a new convert church would have never understood the book of Ephesians? And so this is a very mature church that Paul hears, or a very spiritual church that, that Paul is talking to. So I want you to understand, these are Christians that he's talking to in this. Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Lewdness is pervertedness. It's, it's sexual sin. It, 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 it's worldly. It's like I'm craving. I'm craving a Big Mac, but this is craving sexual sins, craving carnality. That's what lewdness is. There, there, I mean, there's no softness in the Word of God. It, it, it's real. That's what he's talking about. Where am I at? To work all uncleanness and greediness. So here Paul's talking to Christians. He says, put away lewdness, put away greed. And then later on in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so how many know all of sin is linked to all these things right here? You don't have to go through all the sins. Everything's there. pride, anger, <coughs> lust, pervertedness, greed, stealing. How many know stealing is, is self-satisfaction? You have it, I want it, I'm just going to take it. These are things that can bound a Christian's areas uh, where we can give place to the devil and, and you're living your Christian walk and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, what the heck? Where did that come from? It came 
from a place of bondage. Listen to verse 26 and 27. Because this is the, the, the main portion of the text I want to look at. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I'm driving, I'm like, Don't give place or foothold. Did I send you guys the, the, the next one? That word, that Greek word comes from topon or tapon. And it, it means, it's where we get the word topography from. And it is a spot or a location. And so he's talking about topography, you know, the land mass with, you know, different uh, uh, scenery and stuff like that. And, and so what Paul is saying, he's talking, remember, he's talking to Christians. Okay, 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 let me clarify something first of all. If you're saved, you've ever given your life to Jesus, can I tell you, you cannot become demon-possessed. Okay, I believe Digga preached about that a couple of months ago. You cannot be, okay, so... You have to literally renounce Christ in order for the devil to have that place back in your life again. Amen. Sam Kinison is a perfect example. You don't know who Sam Kinison, Sam Kinison was? He used to be a preacher, backslid, and literally went back into satanic or, or Satanism and, and all the other, other stuff. But it's, it's very hard to, 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 for a Christian. You can't be demon-possessed. But Paul here is saying what can happen is you can give the devil a place. You can give them a location in your life. And this happens oftentimes. Can, can I be real tonight? I got to ask for a vision because I don't want to. Can we be real? You know, oftentimes the reason being is we become desensitized because of what we watch on TV. I'm not preaching against TV. You can have your TV. I got TV. You do whatever you want. But listen to me. I believe we become so desensitized. We, we preach on sin, and yet we go home and watch it. What's wrong with rated R movies? There's boobs on there. Oh, is that offensive? How come it's not offensive when it's on the TV? I would think it'd be more offensive on TV than me saying the word boob. Oh, Pastor, you said the word boob. <laughs> There's cussing. Pastor, I can't give up cussing. He says abstain from foul communication. That's what Paul's saying. Is cussing bad? Well, ask yourself that. Do you want your kids cussing? There's sex on there. There's adultery. There's fornication. And yet we subject our lives to it and say it's okay. Here Paul say, don't give place. But because we live in the lovely United States, I would not rather, I would live anywhere else. Pastor. Because I go to Praise Chapel Paramount, I can handle it. I've been saved for five years. I've been saved ten. I can handle it. How many know we are soldiers, warriors, 
In 2 Timothy 2, 4, the Bible says, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Oh, that's a great scripture, isn't it? And then John says in 1 John 2, 15, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. But the thing is, we cannot hate the world, despise the things of the world, because we're allowing it in. How I many know the Bible says that these sockets right here is the uh, uh, eye well to our, uh, the eyes to our heart. Oh yes. Oh yeah. People are wondering, what the heck is he going to do? Well, Renee's going to come and help me tonight. <laughs> Renee has been saved for many years. Renee is, a, how many agree, Matt? Renee's a man of God. Yeah. Woo, come on. He eats healthy. He's strong. I don't know, do you lift? Yeah. yeah. He lifts. I don't know if he can cook because all he has, eats is vegetables all, all the time. But. but one day, Renee says, you know what? I can handle anything. And the Bible says, don't give place or don't entangle yourself with the world. And so Renee decides to get on the Internet and have a little fun. And so while he's there watching, you're, you're watching, you're over here on the Internet right there on the computer. And so the devil comes and begins to try to entangle him. And Renee says, oh, Renee says, you know what? I can handle this. How many think Renee can handle this? Yeah? Okay. Let's, let's see. Can you pull away? Oh. You're a strong Christian. You don't, he is bad. You are good. You are, hey, did you try to check this web page though? Try that one. How's that? Oh, look at that one. Fish porn. Oh. I think he can handle this too. You can handle anything, dude. You're, you're, you're a mighty man of God. I see you. I see you're a mighty man. How, what do you think? Wait, wait, oh, oh, look at Again. Yes, Renee! Look at those biceps and look at those packs. Ladies, he is single. Now, let me tell you something, ladies. He is a man of God. But right now, he's my toy. Oh, I forgot to look at this web page. Oh, see, so while he's still looking there, what happens is, the devil begins to entangle him more and more. See, he lets you think that you got away with it the first few times. And then when the time comes, he has you. There's no getting away. And see, what happens is he'll try to give you a little bit of freedom. But when he sees that you're getting a little bit too much freedom, get over. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Ben Paka. (laughs) 
See, the devil knows he can't have your entire life, and he knows that once you give your life to Jesus, he's not going to get you to hell. But if he can get a place in your life, he makes you ineffective. Now you can't do anything for God because as soon as you start, he goes, you call yourself a Christian? Remember what you were doing? Remember, I, I, see, you might forget. I don't forget. As a matter of fact, you know what? Go sit down for now. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Woo, let's give him a hand. See, the best way I can describe it is like a, a, a harpoon whale or a, a guy getting ready to, to fish a, a, a whale with using a harpoon is what they do is they throw the harpoon at the poor whale. And what they do is they begin to swim out. The, the harpoon attaches to the whale. Okay, you guys can take it out. I don't want to offend anybody. But uh, uh, the harpoon gets stuck. And what they do is they allow the whale to run. And they'll keep tension eventually on it. But they'll allow it to run trying to weary it out. And what the devil does is he wearies the saints by getting a place in their lives. Doesn't have all of you, but controls part of you. See, somewhere, just like I created an appetite for those Big Macs, you can't have just one fry. You can't have sin just once. Because now it's in your mind. You know what I'm talking about? You know when, when you're at the store and your husband's not there and that guy comes up, oh, girl, you're looking good. Really? <laughs> My husband doesn't tell me those things. Say, dude, you better be telling your wife, baby, you look good. <laughs> Mama, I ain't looking at nobody. Go, you look Look at your wife, baby, you look good. My mouth is watering, baby. Come on, baby, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't, somebody else will. See, there's, now, now, see, the devil doesn't possess Christians, but he does possess sinners. Women, don't be fooled like your husband don't need to say that. You tell him that he's handsome. You better tell that man he's handsome. Because I want to tell you that hood rat at work will be telling him he's handsome. <laughs> Ooh, papacito. We like to hear it. My wife told me, baby, you look good the other night. I was like, really? <laughs> Let me go peek in the mirror. <laughs> but see, what the devil does, he creates that appetite. How many know beer is nasty when you first taste it? It's disgusting. 
But you begin to create that appetite. All of a sudden, now you got to have one. Are y'all with me tonight? Is this, is this helping anybody tonight? See, what happy wants to do is he wants to make you and I ineffective. And Paul sees this, and he's talking to Christians. He says, don't give him a place. He says, you got to guard your life. Listen, don't ever think and don't ever, you know, but the devil, here, here's the devil's best strategy. Listen to me. He wants to give you confidence that you can handle it. How many know when you got confidence, you'll do anything? You'll go jump out of a plane. You'll go bungee jump. You'll go, I got confidence. You, you'll do anything. You know, almost sounds like Samson. What's the secret? Oh, you know, when you braid my hair and they come and it's not the braid. Oh, you don't love me. What's your secret? Oh, you know, if I do this, come with this way or come with that way, you know. And, and, and so we play with it. Because we like the tease. We like the flirtatiousness. And then in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, and she said, the Philistines are upon you because Samson finally told her the secret to his, his strength. And when he awoke from his sleep and said, listen, listen to what he says, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Oh, my gosh. You can have a conversation with Pastor Omar and myself. We'll tell you of all the people that were doing great. And all of a sudden, we don't see them. Why? Samson. The spirit of Samson. Samson. He gives you a little bit. But when he sees you going too far, he pulls you back. And his whole purpose is to wear you down so you quit. How many of your friends are here, not here tonight because they quit simply because they gave place? So why is this so important tonight? Husbands, wives, mothers, and fathers, why is this so important? Because you're the bridge for your kids. Amen. Read the surveys. I, I actually read a lot of surveys. The younger they are, of course, the, the, the bigger the percentage-wise. But they went to schools. They started off, I think it was preschools, and then they went up. And they asked little kids, who's your hero? It started off at 90% where mother or father was their heroes. And as they got older, of course, they went down to 66%. But you're your kids' heroes. They're watching you. They're watching everything that you're doing. You, you, you can go through hell and high water. And if your kids see you going through it with stride and not giving place to the devil and, and staying faithful and believing God, can I tell you when their time comes, they're going to make it. Because they saw you not quit. They saw you not give up. They saw you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go to church. No, they never heard you say that. Don't open that door to your kid. I'm not going to church tonight. I, uh, it's like, no. You, I want to tell you, Wednesday, I need church. <laughs> I, 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 I want to get up and worship God. 
See, your kids need to hear you not complaining, not whining, not feeling sorry for yourself, but standing and believing uh, that Jesus has everything under control. I was writing the sermon today, and my, my wife sent me this uh, awesome, awesome story, and, and it's about the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. But in 1883, a creative engineer and we have a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge, but uh, named John Rowling was inspired by the idea to build a spectacular bridge connecting uh, New York with Long Island. However, bridge building experts, and this was back in 1883. How I many of that was before technology? And build, building experts throughout the world thought that this was an impossible feat and told Rubbling to forget the idea. It just could not be done. It was not practical. It had never been done before. Rubbling could not ignore the vision he had in his mind for this bridge. He thought about it all the time, and he knew deep in his heart that it could be done. He just had to share the dream with someone else. After much discussion and persuasion, he managed to convince his son, Washington, as an up-and-coming engineer, that the bridge, in fact, could be built. Working together for the first time, the father and son developed concepts of, of how it could be accomplished and how the obstacles could be overcome. With great excitement and inspiration, the headlines of the wild of a wild challenge before them, they hired their crew and began to build the Dream Bridge. The project started well, but when it was only a few months underway, a tragic accident on the site took the life of John Roebling, that's the father. Washington was also injured and left with a certain amount of brain damage, which resulted in him not being able to talk or walk. We told them so. Crazy men and their crazy dreams. It's foolish to chase wild visions. Those were actually headlines in the news. Everyone had a negative comment to make and felt that the project should be scrapped since the Roblings were the only ones who knew how the bridge could be built. In spite of his handicap, Washington was never discouraged and still had a burning desire to complete the bridge and his mind was still as sharp as ever. He tried to inspire and pass on his enthusiasm to some of his friends, but they were too daunted by the task. As he lay in his bed in the hospital room, with sunlight streaming through the windows, a gentle breeze blew flimsy white curtains apart, and he was able to see the sky and the tops of the trees outside for just a moment. It seemed that there was a message for him not to give up. Suddenly an idea hit him. All he could do was move one finger and he decided to make the best use of it. By moving this, he slowly developed a code of communication with his wife. He touched his wife's arm with that finger, indicating to her that he wanted her to call the engineers again. Then he used the same method of tapping her arm to tell the engineers what to do. It seemed foolish, but the project was underway again. For 13 years, Washington tapped out his instructions with his finger on his wife's arm until the bridge was finally completed. Today, the spectacular Brooklyn Bridge stands in all its glory as a tribute to the triumph of one man's indomitable spirit, the dad, and his determination not to be defeated by circumstances, the son. 
It is also a tribute to the engineers and their teamwork and to their faith in the man who was considered mad by half the world. It stands too as a it stands too as a tangible monument to the love and devotion of his wife who for 13 long years patiently decoded the messages her husband and told the engineers what to do. And I'm thinking about this. This young man did not give up because his dad never gave up. He continued the quote, his determination not to be defeated by circumstances. The world tells you you can't make it. The world tells you to look at you. The world says, look at all the failures you had. And yet Jesus says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word says, all things are possible to them that believe. And I want to tell you, we need heroes tonight. We need men and women that will make a stand and say, God, I'm using my life. I'm willing to do whatever I can. There's a lot at stake tonight. There's a lot of stake. There's a lot of souls at stake tonight. You can live your life, the rest of your life, doing absolutely nothing. And how many know that's just a waste? But how many know if you pray with just one person, it's well worth it? The Bible says just that one person, they can say, all heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. I want to close with the starting point real quick. I'll, I'll go through this real quickly. I want to close with breaking the bond. How many want to break a bondage tonight? Because how many know everyone, if we go through right now, if we be honest with ourselves, how many know we all have bondage somewhere? There's something. In 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul says that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And he's talking about people that became ineffective Preaching the gospel because they got snared up or entangled again with the, with, 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 uh, the world. But here Paul say, you know what? Let's hope that they come to their senses. I want some of us to come to our senses tonight because you're needed in the kingdom of God. In Matthew 18, the Bible says, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Oh, you took it off. You disobeyed me. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means is not like loosen you. No, it's to loosen. How many know we want to loosen the ties of the world tonight? How many know we want to loosen that bondage tonight? How many know tonight? I use that illustration tonight because that's exactly what the devil does. He ties us up and we need to loosen that tonight and break that grip. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, how many know most of your battles are in your mind? You're held captive in your mind. Your failures oftentimes are in your mind. And Paul says, we demolish arguments at every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now I want you to, I, I chose this, NIV, because of that word, every pretension. How many know the devil can't defeat devil, uh, Jesus? He's already defeated. The devil's already defeated. But he could pretend in your mind that he can have victory over your life. And that's why he says you have every authority to take that and cast it down. I'm not going to live with that lie anymore. I'm not going to live with that thought anymore. I'm not going to live with that bondage anymore. I loosen that. I cast it out. I take it into captivity and I throw it away 
far away from my life right now in Jesus' name. And I want to close with these two very important scriptures here. 1 John 2, 1, I, and I use the English Standard Version. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It says there's hope. See, the devil makes people feel that when they sin, they're done. They're backslidden. They're, it, it takes a lot. How many know God's grace surpasses our understanding? How many know God's grace is a lot more than we extend oftentimes to people that are caught up in sin? And here John is saying, you know what? You sin, okay. You get it right. Get it right. Just get it right. Okay, so that's the first scripture. Making it right. But here's the second thing. How many want to break the bondage? How many want to be healed tonight? And listen to me, you can sit in your chair tonight at altar call and say, you know what, that's not me. But we know deep inside you're battling with something. You got to get it right. Listen to me, here, here it is, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I'm not confessing my sins. Say, I'm, I'm talking to Pastor Rudy. I'm not confessing. And he's going, oh, forgive me. My, for, I forgive you, my son. Go say three hail. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, Pastor Rudy, I have this issue. I've already asked Jesus to forgive me. But I want to confess it because I want to remove its place from my life. That's what, are you all with me tonight? That's what he's saying. He's saying... Oh, hallelujah. He's saying, I, I, I want victory. I mean, no pride. We'll keep that in ourselves because we don't want no one to know. But here, Paul said, you want to be healed. He said, just confess it. You don't have to go into doggone detail. But just say, hey, dude, I got a problem. If you tell me, I, I got a problem with the internet. I mean, no, I know what, what you mean. Let's, let's pray for that. You don't have to give me detail. And, 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 and I, you could confide. You need to find somebody you could confide in and confess and say, you know what? I want to get it right. I'm tired of walking in Christ and then tripping and falling. What happened? What happened? Because I opened a door somewhere and I got tied up and ensnared. But tonight, God, I want to be released. God, I want to fulfill my calling. I want to do what I can for Jesus. God, if anything, I want my kids to make it to heaven. And I know they can make it. If they see me standing tall for Christ, I know that they can make it. And I, I just want to close with, I mean, no, just doing nothing for God is sin. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him, it is what? Sin. If you got a calling on your life and you're just kicking back because you're bound, tonight is the night to break those chains and say, God, I want to be delivered. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.